The presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary-client, or attorney-client relationship. Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about the magic of music for people with dementia is Pippa Kelly. Pippa is one of the UK's foremost writers on dementia, an award-winning blogger and journalist. She hosts a weekly dementia podcast, Well I Know Now, and speaks regularly on elderly care and dementia. Her haunting novel, Invisible Ink, which has a small but significant dementia thread based on her late mother, was published in 2016. How are you doing today, Pippa? And very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Well, good. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to our second conversation. Um, but before we get started, Pippa, for those that are joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, type your questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So, Pippa, I'd like to get started. When you first witnessed the power of music, it was with your mom. It was, Jason. Yes. And apologies if anybody's heard this before, because I have related the story, but it's quite powerful and it's very personal to me. Um, my mum was in the late stages of dementia and for the last sort of 18 months of her life she'd uh, been lying motionless really and sleeping most of the time in her nursing home bed and it was Christmas Eve over here in the UK and I got a call as I had done many times before to say that my mum was ill, she had an infection and I should get down there to see her. Well it was Christmas Eve, I was very busy, I was actually in a supermarket at the time doing the shop um, but anyway I of course I did go down and see my mum and on the way down actually she's about she was about an hour hour and a bit away from me here in London um I suddenly thought that one of the things my mum absolutely loved she loved Christmas anyway and she loved the nine lessons and carols from King's College Cambridge that plays every year it's very much a big Christmas thing she and I always used to listen to it when we made mince pies and things on Christmas Eve so um, I thought brilliant because it's always difficult to know what to do with somebody with dementia so I arrived uh, just in time to put it on the radio and it always starts this um, service of nine lessons and carols with once in royal david city and it starts with a lone chorister's voice it's very haunting and moving at the best of times anyway my mum opened her eyes that's all she did on that day but it was it was quite profound because she hadn't opened her eyes for a long time it was definitely a reaction to her hearing this music that was so ingrained, it was like almost in her DNA. So we listened to the Nine Lessons and Carols. I just sat with her and we listened, it was beautiful. And then I drove back up to London and then I was in touch all day with her on Christmas day. And the nursing home said actually she seemed a bit better during the day, so that was great. And I was actually with my husband's family. Um, I didn't drink at all so that I'd be ready at a moment's notice to, to drive to see my mum. And it wasn't until the evening that they phoned uh, and said, we think you should come down again. So I jumped in the car and I drove down, but I arrived just too late. Because it was Christmas, there were cover staff on, it wasn't even the normal carers in the nursing home. Um, and I met a stranger on my mum's corridor, um, a carer or nurse, I can't remember, and she just said, oh, she's just gone. You just missed her. Um, which was so tremendously sad, but, I had this wonderful, wonderful experience, this memory of the experience the day before on Christmas Eve when I sat and listened to the Christmas carols, um, to the nine lessons and carols, and that was really moving to me. And that was the first time I saw it actually. Way back then, 
I didn't know the power of music. I had no idea that I was actually, I stumbled on something that was really um, powerful in its own right. I just did it because I thought, I know my mum loves that. But later yeah. on, as I got more involved in dementia, I came out, came to find out more about that. Yeah, so I was going to piggyback on that. You had said that it was at that time you kind of, you, you learned how much more of a, a how huge of a role dementia, uh, that music can play in the quality of life of people with dementia. Yes, because I was already, um, I'd sort of been charting my parents' lives. My dad was very ill in different ways as well. Over here in the UK in the national press, because I was a journalist then, and I was writing a lot about it. So I become a bit known um, for writing about dementia and elderly care issues. But then two years after my mum died, after that event I've just described, I set up my blog to get sort of straight to market. Um, as a freelance journalist, it's coming harder and harder to get into uh, print. So it very soon became a dementia blog. And one of my first dementia outings as, well, as a blogger of dementia issues was to the House of Lords here in the UK. And I saw a well-known broadcast journalist called Sally Magnuson uh, talking about her book, Where Memories Go. And that was all about her mum, Mamie Baird, who had dementia. And Sally, um, after her mum died, she realised that her mum could still actually sing the songs of her youth, her Scottish songs and ballads of her youth, when she had very severe dementia. And after she died, after her mum died, Sally, as a, as a journalist, she researched this. She thought, well, why can mum still do that when she could hardly talk? And she went to uh, New York to find out more about it. And she, she found out from Oliver Sack, the late Dr. Oliver Sack, um, why this has this effect. And she also went to a neurological institute in New York and spoke to Dr. Connie Tomeno, who explained to Sally that it's like music hits lots of different parts of the brain. And because it, it, it hits different parts, it's a bit like uh, when you have a tip of the tongue moment and people are firing questions at you and one of them will lodge. Um, and also those parts of the brain that music is touching like that, uh, these clues that it's kind of sending out, they're the last bits of the brain to go in somebody with dementia. Um, Dr. Oliver Sacks put it beautifully, I thought, and Sally talks all about this. Her book is just the most exquisite memoir of her mother. Dr. Oliver Sacks said, um, the past, which is irrecoverable in any other way, is embedded in music as if in amber. And, you know, that is so lovely. Um, so and then Sally set up with all this knowledge. She set up a, a charity called Playlist for Life. Um, and that means that the people with dementia make their playlist for life. I've sort of thought about what, what would be on mine. It's meaningful pieces of music throughout your life. Um, and then if you listen to it on what used to be an iPod, but you know the little buds you put in your ears, somehow that makes it more immediate, you connect more, and you see you know, people come alive when they listen to meaningful music. Um, and there are so many other charities. One you have there in the, in the USA, which is very good, and if you look at their website, aliveinside.org, um, they've done videos of people with the little eye, uh, you know, ear pods in their ears, listening to pieces of music and you see people who are you know normally very slumped can't talk um almost one might say out of this world as in they've gone they're lost but when they listen to some mu meaningful music 
their foot starts to tap, their body starts to move. There's a very powerful video. I was just reminding myself again today of a lady in bed who hasn't moved, a bit like my mum. Then they put the little pods in her ears. And you see her in bed, sort of trying to dance almost, moving about. It's just the most incredible thing. Um, and uh, over here, you know, there are so many charities now. Another one that um, is a good charity over here is um, Music for Dementia, which is pushing now for everybody with dementia to be able to have access yeah. to meaningful yeah. music, um, which sounds a bit sort of very fairy. Um, but at the moment, even though there's now a lot of evidence as to why music is so powerful, um, it's really kind of scandalous that our care homes in the UK, of all of our care homes in the UK, only 5% of care homes have access to quality um, music and arts therapies. And I don't know what it's like in, in the US, but I guess it's very much the same. Over here, it ranges when you talk to experts, but the generally sort of given um, percentage of people with dementia in care homes is 70%. Some experts say it's as high as 90% of the residents of care homes have dementia. Music is great for them, and yet only 5% of care homes have access to music. You know, it's such a shame. So that's another great charity over here. I could go on and on listing the organisations that I've written about or had, you know, people on my podcast who are related to, to them. Yeah, so Pippa, do you have your own music and dementia mission or goal? Yes, I do. I think it might have been superseded a bit by other people now in some senses because um, I don't spend my entire life hobnobbing at the House of Lords, but I was at another <laughs> dementia event at the House of Lords. In fact, this was to do with the uh, Commission on Music for Dementia. Um, when they were launching their report revealing this shockingly low statistic of 5% of care homes having access to meaningful um, or quality music therapy. And actually it was the end of this sort of evening and they had as their guest speaker, I don't know if you've heard of her, she's an international, uh, internationally renowned, an international soprano called Leslie Garrett, mm -hmm. very famous in the opera world, extremely famous over here. And she is very interested in dementia because her auntie Joan had dementia and she's a patron of another music and dementia charity, which Leslie won't forgive me if I don't mention it. That's called the Lost Chord. Um, and she was giving a speech and Leslie's a wonderful character, sort of larger than life. She gave her fantastic spe speech where she kept bursting into song. Um, and then at the end of it, as a sort of throwaway remark, she said, does anybody here remember singing together? Well, actually, anybody listening from the UK might, anywhere else perhaps they won't, but you probably had similar things. Over here, we had a fantastic radio programme. It was set up in 1939 at the very beginning of the Second World War, and it was a schools radio programme, and it was for the evacuees, the children in the Second World War, who had to leave their homes and their families to get out of London and the cities to be safe. And it was decided, and the BBC was a public service broadcaster, that they would broadcast singing together on the radio once a week so that all over the country, these displaced child evacuees could listen to the programme. They would, I remember it, it carried on for a long time. I'm not that old, but it carried on for 50, 60 years. And in the late 60s, I was at a convent briefly, 
and I just when Emily when um, Leslie Garrett said do you remember singing together I just went you, you know I hadn't heard the name so long and I thought yes I do um, because I remember singing it I was about nine and the nun would say okay it's 11 o'clock on a Monday morning I'm switching on the radio it's singing together um, this chap called William Appleby would come on and he would tell you a bit about the song it'd be a simple song with a, a strong rhythm and a chorus because it was for children all this is fantastic people with dementia then you'd sing it you'd sing a few bars you might learn a little bit about the song in a very simplistic way Leslie Garrett said wouldn't it be great if the BBC reintroduced this radio program singing together but this time for older people who are isolated lonely and for people with dementia for whom singing and music is such a great life enhancer so I did um well, that's why I blogged about it. It got such a response that I then organised the letter to the Times in London with all the big names of the dementia uh, world signed it, um, urging the then Director General of the BBC, Tony Hall, to reintroduce this programme. I then did a big piece in the Daily Telegraph um, about it with Leslie. And um, anyway, all this kind of fell on deaf ears, really. Um, but every opportunity I sort of plug away at it and I sometimes feel I'm getting somewhere. Um, then actually, uh, this is very timely, Jason, because tomorrow I'm doing a bonus episode of my podcast yep. because I came across a wonderful charity called My Life Films that have done a spin-off in the lockdown, the coronavirus lockdown over here in the UK, called My Life TV. And one of their channels on the My Life TV is um, a sing-along with Mr. Meredith. And it is basically singing together. So Mr. Meredith, uh, 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 on the clip I saw, he's doing do, re, me, you know, follow me. So follow me. And he just goes, do, re, you know, do, adi, adi, madder. And then it's very simple. And this is absolutely aimed at, this My Life Films, My Life TV is for people with dementia. Um, so, you know, in various different ways, I think that Leslie's idea is coming to life over here. But it's this idea of it being regular. I, I'm not really so keen on, you know, World Music Day and we'll feature people with dementia because that's once a year or, you know, it's giving a nod to it. But you really want to alleviate the loneliness and the isolation by having something that's very regular. And again, it's shown by all sorts of different therapies that if something is regular, whether it be reminiscent therapy of a very high standard or different therapy once a week, it will really help, you know, people with dementia to keep their brains more stimulated. Um, I think people with dementia probably, you know, or well, we know they they will have suffered in the lockdown, as we all have, really. But I think, you know, our, our care homes. I talked to um, I talked to a US podcast director, Roseanne Corcoran, um, earlier. We I, for my podcast, it was sort of podcaster meets podcaster. And I think it's much the same for you over there with your care homes. You know, people couldn't visit. Uh, and so the poor people with dementia felt very, very neglected and abandoned because they didn't really understand why their loved ones weren't visiting them. And I think there's been a, uh, you know, their, their, their cognitive powers have reduced still further and it's, they've declined because they haven't had the stimulation of their, you know, their brain. Um, so I think this regular once a week singing, whether it's the Singing Together radio program or the My Life TV, which actually in some ways is even better because it's not just once a week. You can, you can go into that, that 
my life tv whenever you want it's streamed you know this is the great the world is moving so quickly now that we can all watch these things streamed um so mine was a radio program i love the idea of it being a radio because all you had to do was just go boing you know press the button um but if it's streamed on a tablet um it might be a little bit more complicated but in the care home you could get the care home uh, you know um a facilitator there you know or coordinator to help with that but anyway i just think it's for it to be regular like that is very important. Yeah. So can you tell us something about social prescribing, which is happening over there in the UK? Yes, this is great, actually, because obviously things are a bit, as they are throughout the globe, a bit odd at the moment. We're hopefully coming out of it now, but everything's been a bit sort of um, stagnant, as it were, and stopped. But what was happening um, in just sort of like a couple of years or so before the coronavirus pandemic, um, over here was that social prescribing is it's sort of what it says. So one of the great things, say, about music for people with dementia is that it can be used to um, reduce anxiety and agitation and distress. Um, and if well used, skillfully used, you can even know when a person with dementia is going to get um, distressed and agitated because perhaps they don't like to have a shower anymore. It might have bad connotations. If you play some nice music that you know is going to soothe them and calm them down, that can have the same effect as giving them antipsychotic drugs, you know, to, to bring down their, their agitation. Um, obviously, so much better to prescribe music than to prescribe medication. And I, you know, the amount of medication for people with dementia here in the UK has significantly reduced in the last few years to the point where a lot of times it's gone completely. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be music. It can be all sorts of other things. Um, and in fact, the founder of My Life TV and My Life Films was saying that they've done evaluations already, even though his um, charity and not-for-profit business, My Life Films is a charity, and the My Life TV is, is a not-for-profit uh, sort of spin-off. Um, even though it's quite young, they've done evaluations, they have found that in some cases, uh, people's um, medication has been able to be, first of all, reduced, then gone altogether. Um, so then it's called social prescribing because you're prescribing not a medication, but some sort of a social therapy uh, music is very powerful for the reasons I explained earlier, but it might be um, reminiscence therapy when done extremely well, or it might be poetry, or it might be art, or it might be nature, or it might be gardening. Um, but it is now becoming more and more evidence-based. I mean, it's no use just wittering on about it. You have got to have your evaluations and the evidence base to show that over a certain period of time, this is having a very beneficial effect. It, it's great in terms of the medication, but it's also great because sometimes it's shown that it will keep somebody at home for longer, and therefore they don't have to go into what you call care facilities, we call care homes and nursing homes in the UK. And of course, that saves the nation, the government, money. And once you start talking in those sort of terms, funnily enough, the politicians start sitting up and suddenly being very interested in what you're doing because there are economic benefits to it as well as sort of humane benefits at a, at a human level. Uh, so, um, and sometimes as well, um, 
you can even stop um, um, emergency admissions to hospital and things like that um, through clever use of it. I mean, that's less likely with the social prescribing, but you can certainly delay going into a care facility and reduce medication. That's been proved now. And that's what we're doing. And now you can, it is now a sort of policy that you can social prescribe. GPs are told they can do that. It's like a prescription almost. Yeah. So Peppa, would you say that it's kind of important to determine the type of music that a loved one has so that down the road, as maybe their dementia progresses, that's the music that they want to hear? Yes. And in fact, if you look at, I just noted it down, if you were to go to www.playlistforlife.org.uk, that is Sally Magnuson's charity, Playlist for Life, that she set up in 2011 after her mum, Mamie Baird, died. Um, it's an extremely successful charity now. Um, and they will, the reason I signpost you to that um, charity is because they will help you set up a playlist for life. That's, you know, the, the clue is in the title of the charity there. You can put together, and it's a good idea to put it together. You know, it's a good idea for me to put mine together now. I have started to think about it. It's just so that everybody out there knows I would want some, I think I'd want Simon Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. Um, I would want William Walton's anthem, Set Me as a Seal Upon My Lips. Um, actually, it's Upon My Heart. I would want um, possibly actually some, some, I don't know if you say Don McLean or Don McLean, you know, American Pie. But, I, you know, I, I know I'm beginning to sort of gather what I might want. If you leave it too late, um, it doesn't. It's not the end of the world at all because as the playlist for life will take you through the processes you then just have to go to relatives and they'll remember you know i remember my mum my mum uh, one of the reasons i want bridge over troubled water actually is not for me it was because that would absolutely remind me of my mum i'd kind of go back to my childhood um actually i was listening to something recently and, I, and hugh grant the actor was um we have the program where you desert island discs where famous people choose their eight discs and he chose this is really weird, but he chose the Flopsy Bunnies. He said it was the first record I ever had, and I hadn't thought about that for ages. You know, it's a little 45, right? Jason, you are too young to even know what a 45 record is, I expect, but they were little records like that. Oh, and it was really? my first record ever. I had Three Blind Mice, the nursery rhyme, which is on a red disc, little record like that, and the Flopsy Bunnies. And when Hugh Grant, you know, when it was played for him, it was like, oh my God, I zoomed back to when I was probably four years old. And I said to my husband, you know, I might want the Flopsy Bunnies. Um, it, it, it's incredible, you know, how it does that to your music. If you think of things that you, you know, when you met your wife or your girlfriend or, you know, your first love, you'll have had kind of my song. You do go back, you know, Fleetwood back and I'm back at school. Just got to hear rumours or something. And I'm just, you know, in the back seat of a car having a naughty moment with a boy. It's just so funny the way it does that to you. Um, it's a bit like smell. It's incredibly evocative of the time. So you can see why when you listen to the music yourself, particularly if it's in those little buds that are right in your head, why it would have that effect on somebody whose cognitive powers have declined to such an extent that they are really deep down into dementia and really look as if they're almost lost to us, how suddenly you can recover 
because I can, you, you know, if you if you if you understand that sense of what music, meaningful music, does, and it's got to be meaningful to you, you know, the individual. My playlist is going to mean nothing to you, Jason, right. possibly, or one or two might. It has to be tailored for the individual. That's the whole point of it. It's incredibly important. Yeah, so Pippa, as your journey of the power of music and the magic of music, how has that impacted the guests that you look to bring on your very successful podcast? In other words, are you looking for guests that maybe are a little bit more toward music oriented or or not? Yes, I no, it, well, sort of yes and no. Because the whole point about my podcast is, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about it, Jason, that's really nice of you, but is to bring us wide Okay. a list of guests, a variety, you know, I really want a wide variety. And in the last, I've just finished my third series. I do them in sort of batches of eight. So I've just finished my third series, but I, tomorrow a bonus episode is coming out. So I did meet this founder of this very exciting My Life film. Um, and I possibly might do the odd bonus episode, but I want it to be, but my passion is music and dementia because it's so powerful a force for people with dementia. Also, because a podcast is audio, anything to do with music works very well. I was a bit worried when I did the My Life Films one, which is television. I, you know, I say on the podcast, you know, and we do play lots of clips from it, from the television, to give people a flavour. But obviously, anything musical. So I've had Sally Magnuson on. Um, she's an absolutely wonderful guest, and we did play some clips. She was very, very. Um, generous Sally and she sent me some incredibly moving clips of her mummy of her mum Mamie Baird singing months before the end of her life you can hear that Mamie is very frail she's not so good at speaking but when she sings she sings much better it's the music it's the rhythm it's the it's all these different elements of music as Oliver Sacks said it's the the rhythm the pace the tone the mood the key it's in all these different elements um you can hear Mamie doing that so we had some powerful music on there I had Leslie Garrett the um the the international opera singer she came on um and talked in very powerful ways about how she's seen the power of music when it as her in her role as a patron of a dementia a music charity she'd gone into care homes she said I just went into the care home well, she'd sung, she'd sung to her Auntie Joan and seen the amazing effect that she'd had on her. And then she went into the care homes where I think Lost Chord Charity were going in and she saw what they were doing, you know, and said, I will help you in any way I can. Um, and she is now, you know, as passionate as I am about it because she's passionate about music anyway and has this most fabulous voice. And she's an amazing character. Um, so she is a very good one and she was sweet enough even though she's internationally renowned to sing a song on my podcast so that was lovely um i'm trying to think whether there's anybody else i'm sure there are other people who because what you find it's like it's like um the chap uh, you know who, who's coming out in tomorrow's podcast he's called uh, jorg roth he's a german he's a he's a filmmaker he's in movies and films and all that sort of thing but he just heard that people with dementia can't watch television anymore because they can't follow the plots. And he saw the power of um, the music as a part when he then did his spin-off for, for My Life TV. As soon as people enter the world of dementia, um, like I did, 
it's quite difficult not to bump into music and its power because it's sort of everywhere um you know it's it's just such a powerful force now there are so many different charities um turtle song is another one over here you know i can go on it's a bit invisible because i'm going to miss some out but there are so many um, and we also have you know the big um dementia charity over here at the alzheimer's society i think you have something very similar in america what it might be called the alzheimer's association but it's you know it's the big charity mm -hmm. and they have music for the brain sessions all over the country um that will be set up locally so that people with dementia can go along and sing you know it's just becoming very much a given a known thing now which is why because it was only in about 2018 that this commission report came out saying that care homes only five percent of them um you know had access to quality music which was what was so shocking about it because by that time we were all realizing the great power so it seemed very sort of shocking that even though we now knew the great power it was such a tiny fragment of care homes that had the access to it yeah Pippa, this is wonderful stuff. Thank you again for, for joining us. Um, how can people how can people find you? Yes, uh, they can find me at, um, well, at the moment, the sort of biggest thing I'm doing is the podcast, really. So you can go to any podcast platform. I think I'm on all of them. Apple um, is the one that people tend to, to use, because I think if you have um, not too much product placement, if you have an iPhone, it's already on there. Um, and then just search for Well I Know Now, Pippa Kelly, um, and you will find my podcast. But it's also on Spotify, on Acast, you know, wherever you really want to listen to it. Um, even just Google Well I Know Now, Pippa Kelly podcast, and it'll pop up somewhere. Um, also, of course, is my blog, which is um, pippakelly.co.uk. Uh, I'm on Twitter, that's my biggest sort of social media platform. Um, and it's you, do a good, you do a good job there. Yeah, I like Twitter. I think journalists do like Twitter because it's like just a signposting thing. You know, you can say in a few words and then click on and there's all my words spilling out in my article or a podcast or whatever. Um, but my Twitter handle is a bit odd because I didn't know that I was going to be so involved in dementia. And I live in London between two commons. So my Twitter handle is Pip on the commons, which is a bit strange. Um, I think you can find me if you search in the Twitter search engine for Pippa Kelly, but there are probably one or two, but I'm at Pip on the commons. And then Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm just Pippa Kelly. Very good. I think well, I've covered all. <laughs> Say that again, Pippa. I think I've covered it all. Yes, you have. Uh, excellent on social media. Um, Really good. So as far as Knowledgeable Aging, you can find us at knowledgeableaging.com. You can there, you'll find all of our upcoming and archived webinars. You can also go to YouTube, type in Knowledgeable Aging. We encourage you to subscribe. We update that four to five times per week. If podcasts are your thing, um, like Peppa, you can find us on Apple, um, Spotify, etc. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.